good morning again. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. We've got a lot of transitions, a lot of things happening this morning. I just want to talk very briefly to you today. Yesterday we had our rehearsal, and there were some boys standing over in this area. And boys are a little bit different than girls. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Uh, but this area is perfect for jumping, leaping, and flying into the pit back here. And, and the whole rehearsal, there was two or three volunteers whose sole job was to make sure that the boys didn't take the dive off the back of the platform. There's something different between boys and girls. Girls are sweet. Ladies, you, you, this was the best thing that we could do this week was to have this pageant and let all the kids dress up. And our girls, they love it. And boys, boys are just violent people at the end of the day. And everything, so I am raising three girls and a boy. And, and a couple of years ago, down in our basement for Christmas Eve, we, we built a stage. We, we painted it and built it in our basement. And so we've got this basement theater that things just, just happen down there. And we come down and there's this whole storyline that's being built. And they're all just kind of building all this set and the backstory and everything that's happening. And they come out and they got these costumes. And, and our extended family knew that year that, that we were doing this. And so uh, they went to Goodwill and got like canes and hats and all these different things to be able to have all these props for downstairs. Now Elias, my youngest, is three years old. And he put on a show yesterday or Friday. All the kids were at school. And so he had the sole attention of his mother and his father, and he put on a show in the basement theater. Guess what his show was? His show, he took uh, soccer cones, and he put them up on a shelf, and he said he was going to do a puppet theater. And he said, hi, I'm Elias. Hi, I'm Mom. Hi, I'm Hazel. And threw them on the floor. <laughs> I mean, my... My girls, like there's this whole storyline and everybody's coming and going the different things and there's dancing and there's twirling and there's all this. I mean, if you're raising girls, you know that they dance everywhere. I was, uh, every uh, Friday morning, I try to have a date with my daughter, uh, Maya, and we go to McDonald's because they have pancakes there and then we can race over to school afterwards. And literally, we're in the middle of conversation as much as you can have with a five-year-old. We're sitting there and she just stops. And then she gets out of her chair and I said, hey, uh, 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 Maya, what are you doing? And she says, don't you hear that music? I just have to dance. <laughs> you know, and just, she just has to dance. And if you, like, dancing is part of, if you're raising girls, like, you're just getting cereal back and forth from, from the desk over to the table. It's just this big dance and twirl and. <laughs> Ladies. The pageant this morning was for you. Men, the message this morning is for you. There will be no dancing or twirling or anything like that. Guess what? The storyline is coming from the book of Revelation. If, if you didn't realize that men, the book of Revelation is actually uh, suited for men quite well. There are tons of explosions. There's a lot of fire. There's horses running back and forth. There's all this different stuff going on. And for most of us who are reading it, we can't put the storyline together. And guess what? That's what every man looks for in a good action movie, right? There's no storyline. There's no idea what's going on. And at the end of the day, you're like, but there was a cool fight scene. And that's where we're at this morning. So ladies, don't check out. But men, I'll be speaking to you here this morning. 
Uh, if you remember from our opening week in this section, so we've been going through this long story short, and we're coming into this last section of the story, uh, the restoration. And if you remember, John, who is the author of Revelation, is, he's exiled. He's on an island. He's in a cave on the island of Patmos, and he's penned down this letter. Uh, maybe, really, at the end of the day, his wife is not there to proofread his work. Maybe that's why the story is so disjointed. Not really. This is an apocalyptic literature. What does that mean? It's a literature about end times. And, and in that style of writing, it's all about all these symbols and characters and numbers, and they all mean a number of different things. And the end of the day, what you're going to find today is we go into this passage, we're going to move through it very quickly today, is what you see behind me, this nativity scene, what we just celebrated. There's this other side of the story that the book of Revelation takes us through that isn't talked about very often, and that's where we're going to start tonight. You see, typically we sing that song, silent night, holy night, all is calm, and all is bright. So we see the baby Jesus sleeping in the manger. We see all the animals, you know, cuddling up and curling up there at the nativity scene. But what we see in the book of Revelation is almost the behind the scenes, behind the curtain, uh, what is also going on at that same time and same place. And it's not quite as cozy. Uh, and actually, at the end of the day, this story may scare the kids if you were actually going through it with the kids. So if you'll turn this morning, Revelation chapter 12 is where we're at this morning. Revelation chapter 12. I hope you've got a, a copy of God's Word. If not, use that black Bible in front of you in the pew. Uh, it's on page 1295. And as the author John is going through the book of Revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ, he chronicles the great battles surrounding Christ's birth. Eugene Peterson is the author of the message translation of the Bible. He says, this is not the nativity story we grew up with, but it is the nativity story all the same. And so as we look at this, we're going to be able to see a few different connections to the bigger story. But if you've got a white sheet of paper uh, in your bulletin, it's a white thing that we work through. It's an outline of the sermon. If you want to get right there really quickly, we're going to begin uh, with our first fill-in for you this morning is the radiant woman. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, the radiant woman. And the second fill-in for you here is this, trust our God to keep his promises. Let me explain. Revelation 12, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, this radiant woman who's talked about here in Revelation chapter 12, there's a number of different ideas of who she is, particularly the Catholic Church has taken this passage and has taken the literal translation to say specifically this is talking about Mary, which is a mistake because the whole, uh, the whole book is written, the whole letter is written to be symbolic. Now, I will include that symbolism in what we're talking about here today because it is symbolic of Mary, but it's also symbolic of a whole lot more. So if you look first at the Christmas story, we're going to kind of look at three layers that are happening here. So in the Christmas story, we do see Mary, and she is pregnant. She is going to have a child. She is agonizing over this baby who is to come. She is the virgin who is now in the town of Bethlehem, and she is about to have a baby. But that's also symbolic of something bigger, and that is Israel's story. 
So Israel's story, when you look at these first two verses, we see the idea of the 12 stars around her head. The 12 stars draws from the Old Testament when we we talk about Genesis and and Joseph and the dream that he had where the 12 stars were going to bow down to his mother and his father. Uh, They would all be bowing down. Those are symbolic of the 12 nations of Israel. So you have them all bowing down. This Old Testament imagery as well of uh, in the books of, it happens a number of times in Isaiah, Hosea, Micah, and Matthew about the idea of this giving birth for Israel and the pain and the agony that they were going through. So Israel had agonized, had gone through and suffered through centuries longing for the Messiah. Again, men, I said that this message was for you, but... We don't know anything about childbirth. We can watch. We can experience by the gripping of the hands and, wa- and do all that we can about the agony of childbirth. But we know nothing. We absolutely know nothing. I'm literally watching some ladies right now elbowing their husbands saying, you are a fool. <laughs> the agonizing childbirth. But Israel is agonizing. They're suffering for centuries, longing for the coming Messiah. They had waited 400 years in silence for the coming Messiah. They had agonized over this and waited for this. Why? Because God promised that he would send a rescuer. He promised that he would send a deliverer, a savior. In Genesis chapter 3, when he throws Adam and Eve out of the garden, we learn about this ancient serpent. And he says, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will strike or crush your head, and you will strike and bruise his heel. As we've gone through this long story short, I hope that you can see the connections that are being made there to that story in Genesis. This was the bruising of the heel, but there would be more. There would be the crushing of his head. God promised us he would send a rescuer, deliver a savior. And then now when we come into our time, as we're looking at this passage, we are also in that longing, that waiting for Christ to return. We are waiting for him to come, to put all things back together. And as you look at this passage, there's the great tribulation as part of the book of Revelation. And either way, whether we are experiencing tribulation now or whether it will come one day, it is going to get worse and worse and worse. The agony, the trial, the suffering gets worse and worse and worse until he comes. Secondly, trust our God to care for his people Trust our God to care for his people. Verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven. So this is when you set up the nativity scene, if you haven't set it up at your house already, uh, I thought this morning uh, for the sake of time it was going to take a while, but uh, we've got the nativity scene here. Uh, we will set up all of the, uh, the animals will be set here and we'll have the shepherds. And if you've paid a, a little bit of extra money, you might even have wise men in your, in your Mac Daddy of a nativity set at home. Uh, but what you don't have, and what I thought about doing this morning was, you know, pressing a button that inflated, you know, the huge, enormous red dragon as part of your nativity set. How many of you have that in your nativity set at home? At least maybe you'll think about it this week. Why? Look at here, verse 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Its tail swept away a third of the stars and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might do what? Devour her child at the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. 
And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. There is this monstrous battle that is happening. So if you go back to the Christmas story, while Mary is there in Bethlehem having the baby, it is not a silent night. There is a war at hand. There is a dragon, it says, symbolically, a dragon who is there to devour the child. War is at hand. And as that happens, as we look at that, Israel is, has, has seen this ancient dragon coming after him. Uh, the, <coughs> the idea that God had protected his people was true because uh, Joseph and, and Mary were going to have to flee. They were going to have to go to Egypt uh, to be protected from Herod, the evil one who was coming after them. When we go back and look at Israel's history, Israel had been in Egypt and they fled out into the wilderness. Why? So that God could protect them and take care of them there. And as we look at our future, as we look at our time here today, we need to remember and realize that God, you can trust his promises. We have his word. He will protect his people as well. Then we take a look at the war-torn heavens, verse 7. Then war broke out in all of heaven. Michael and his angels fought back against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. There is this epic battle that is going on around the nativity scene. There is a war raging in heaven over what is going to happen that night there in Bethlehem. And that war is large. And there are some things that you need to know about that war. And here's some fill-ins. Our enemy has been defeated. Our enemy has been defeated. Secondly, deception, it says here, is our enemy's tool. Deception is our enemy's tool. What do I mean by that? If you look here, it says he was hurled to earth and his angels with him, but he does so what? To lead the world astray. When war broke out in heaven, the time is not specified, but bottom line, uh, we see this defeated, humiliated one who has been thrown down along with his angels. The critical, crucial battle has already been won. The war has been won. Now you look at the Christmas story. Again, you see in the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph, they would become under spiritual attack from the moment that this child was born, even before that. And then as you follow the life of Jesus Christ and his ministers, he goes through ministry, they were only going to see what? The battle would be won when he died on the cross and rose again. That battle is going on there his entire ministry. If you look at Israel's story, we see this, and you can see this in the context here of what is happening with this Lucifer, this Satan, the one who had been in heaven. He was one of God's holy angels, and yet he leads this rebellion towards God. We read about in Isaiah when he says, I want to be like the Most High, and God would have no part of that, and he struck him down. All of that happening before God even created the world, even before he spoke things into existence. But as that happens, the war is on, and the people of Israel will always have this great deceiver, this enemy trying to mess things up. And we need to be reminded that the battle is won. 
He is the adversary, yes, that we have to be aware of. He prowls around seeking who he will destroy. We are seeing in Scripture, we see these evidences of a dragon or of a lion or of a snake, someone who is trying to injure and maim and hurt and kill. Whatever the future and possibly the midpoint of the tribulation, that's what is being talked about here, or whatever you will face this afternoon, the enemy is trying to deceive and try to lie to you to let you know that he is in charge. But the bottom line is what? That our enemy has been defeated. He has no authority here. Deception is our enemy's tool. Thirdly, your third fill-in this morning is this, the burning edge of dawn. The burning edge of dawn. When the sun comes up in the morning, there is that moment that that just before the sun comes up, the whole sky lights up. The burning edge of dawn. That's what we see here. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accusers of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Our salvation has been settled. It has been settled. He has been thrown down. We can celebrate that our salvation is here, as this loud voice has said. Verse 11, they triumph over him by what? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. We live in days that are short. Our time is short here. Why? Because it says that the devil's time is short. And we live in triumph and we live in victory. And really, the story that we need to be telling and the song that we need to be singing is this. The gospel story is our battle song. We go into battle day by day. In the future, there will be a mighty battle that will commence. But what will be our battle song? What will be our battle cry? It is the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and he was rose on the third day for your sins and for mine, and he took all the power away from sin and of death. And that is our battle cry. That is our battle song. That is what we charge the enemy with. Our story is that those who follow the Lamb, that Christ, God, have conquest. They become victorious over the dragon. The Christmas story, we see that. We see that he has no power over this child Christ. Why? Because he is the king. He is the mighty warrior. He is the one who has come as the Messiah to rescue us. We see an Israel story, which then becomes the story of the church. And we've talked about this and how they just left that city with such power, with such force to be able to take over the world for Christ. They were martyred, and it says here that even death was not something that fear, they were afraid of. Why? Because they had something greater to fight for, something greater to live for. The word of their testimony, the gospel story, the gospel song was their witness, and they were faithful to the gospel of King Jesus. The power of the blood of Christ is sufficient for our sin. It is sufficient for a martyr's death. 
and loyalty to that Lamb of God is what we have seen here in this book, who has shed his blood for you and for me, and we are faithful to him even unto death. And this verse states it so beautifully that we can rejoice in the middle of trouble, in the middle of trial. So for you today, for you today, you may not feel like it's Christmas season because there's a war going on inside of you. And I can't say much more than to say it's going to get worse. The book of Revelation demonstrates that for us. It will get worse, but what will push us forward? What will propel us forward? What will keep us at battle? It is knowing that we are victorious through Jesus Christ. The battle is here, and it is our turn to fight. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not connected to him and understood that that battle has already been won, it is a scary place to be. It is a scary place to be. But when we look at the Christmas story this morning, we see the gift in the manger that allows us to say, I don't have to be afraid. I am not worried about today or tomorrow or the next day. Whatever dragons might come, I am not afraid. Because why? Because of who Jesus Christ is. The band is going to come and we're going to sing a final song this morning. But before we do that, I'm going to show a video. Andrew Peterson has a song that takes this theme and just the words just come off the page. And if you're familiar with it, that's good. But I want that to speak out to us this morning. Maybe you feel as though this Christmas season, this morning, what you're going through, the damage that you are experiencing in your personal life, it seems terribly dark. But be reminded, it is darkest before the dawn.
To come galloping out of the clouds while the angel armies sing. He's gonna gather his people in the shadow of his wings. And I'm gonna raise my voice with the song of the redeemed. Cause all this darkness is a small and passing thing. This is the storm. I could see the fields of glory. I could hear the sower's song. I had a dream that I was waking at the burning edge of dawn. And all that rain had washed me clean. All the sorrow was gone. I had a dream that I was waking at the burning edge of dawn. darkest before the dawn. And there's a battle raging. There's no question about that. And men, the challenge particularly for you this morning is are you going to go into battle? Will you fight for your families? Will you fight for your children? Will you fight knowing that yes, you will be injured? Yes, there will be scars. Yes, there will be bruises. Yes, it's a scary place. Yes, it is dark and dangerous. We're waiting for a change. We're waiting for the one who rides that horse over, charges the enemy, and we cry out and we scream and we run into battle. You see, the greatest Christmas verse in all of Scripture is one that's very familiar to you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He ran into battle for you and for me. He gave His only Son, His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him would not perish with everlasting life. There is a dragon who wants to crush and destroy and ruin you and ruin me. But God so loved the world that he gave, 
That is the Christmas story. That is the Christmas verse. That is the greatest gift that you and I could ever receive, and it ought to change everything. So my hope and my desire for you this Christmas is that this would change the lens by which you see the Christmas story played out. You would see what God did when he sent his only son and sent him into battle for you and for me. The song that the band is going to sing, and we will sing this morning, and you have sung a hundred times. It came upon a midnight clear. It's a glorious song, as it says, but, but when we sing it this morning, won't you notice? Won't you notice the words that actually talk about the battle that is raging on? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That does not come easily. There is a battle, there is a war raging, and it's time to step into the fight. So dear Lord, we pray this morning that your word has spoken, that it touched hearts this morning. If there are any here, Lord, who need to step into the battle, whether, Lord, they've known you for years but do not realize that they have been shying from the charge, they've been shying from the responsibility that it takes to trust you, Lord, let them take the step this morning. There are others here, Lord, that do not know you, that are not understanding of what this means. Lord, let let them accept that gift, that Christmas gift, the ultimate gift of your son, Lord, this morning. And in that, Lord, trusting you to keep your promises, trusting you to protect your people. Lord, you have defeated the enemy. The great deceiver is not going to deceive for too much longer. Why? Because you Lord, we love you and we celebrate you this morning. And that is why we sing together this morning. It came upon a midnight clear. Would you stand and sing with us this morning? If you have any questions, I'd love to meet with you in the back. If not, sing your heart out. Let this be your song this morning. Amen.